Spend the Survivor offseason catching up on all your favorite hit TV shows on Hulu Plus. Get two weeks free when you try out Hulu Plus at HuluPlus.com slash ROB. Coming to you live from my apartment, it's Rob Has a Podcast, and now here's a guy whose brains, beauty, and brawn only diminish more and more with each passing day, Rob Sesternino. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our Survivor Kagian wrap-up special. That's right. I am Rob Sesternino, and here I am joined by a man who is an authority on so many subjects, including Survivor, and he attended the Survivor Kagian finale, which I didn't even do because I was busy uh, podcasting about it. Here is Mr. Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you? I'm good, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Good. Well, I'm glad that you could do this because this is going to be a very fun look back at the season that was, and I have all of these questions uh, from the listeners of Rob as a podcast, plus I have voicemails and all sorts of things uh, that we are going to talk about here today before we proverbially close the book on Survivor Kagiyan. Yes. Uh, Rob, now that we are a, a, week, a week out from the finale, it's been a week since it ended. Uh, what, what do you think? How, how are you feeling about the Kageon experience? Everybody's still riding really high on it. I am as well. Yeah, I feel very good. It, it, the week has gone by fast because the Memorial Day weekend was in there. So that sort of like was like time on, you know, 2x speed. So it really does feel like it was uh, less than a week ago. I feel very good about everything from this season. I'm very happy with our coverage uh, from this season. I'm very happy with the season as a whole. I'm very happy with the state of Survivor. And I'm very happy with our winner, Tony Velachos, which Yeah, I, I am thrilled with our winner, Tony Velachos. <laughs> okay, well, I want to hear from, from you a little bit before we get into the questions about your experience being there at the finale. And then you, you interviewed uh, this Final Four in person as well. And I I know it wasn't your first Survivor finale that you'd been to a couple in New York, but your first on the West Coast. Yeah, it was my second overall, and I was at the the last one they did in New York was Survivor One World. I, I was there covering for MTV. This time I was covering for Parade dot com, uh, and yeah, it was it was awesome. It was a really fun experience. Uh, crazy energy in in that in that room in, in Jeff Probst's living room, as he as he called it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was wild. It was really awesome to kind of be a part of the history of this really epic return to form season. I think, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how these past four seasons of Survivor have really been kind of a return to Survivor glory after some of the, I don't know, kind of schlubby seasons of the uh, early to mid 20s of Survivor. Um, And I think that this is the crown jewel. I think that for me, it was really hard after blood versus water thinking of how they were going to top that. And I think that they absolutely did with this season. So uh, just to be a part of that in person and, and feeling that vibe and talking to some of the players and, you know, seeing some of the behind the scenes action, it was, it was a, a ton of fun. So you were there for what was the low point of survivor at the finale <laughs> of one world where it wasn't the low point for me. Cause I got to interview Kim Spradlin and that you was love fantastic. Kim Spradlin, I know. I'm a big Kim Spradlin fan. Well, but I do feel in some ways that, and while I love Kim as, as well and uh she is quite a dynamic 
person that that was a season where the outcome was really never in doubt from, you know, basically with like four or five episodes to go. And it was also at a time when Jeff Probst was going to go host the Jeff Probst talk show. So there was almost like an air around the the show that maybe this is going to be the last year for Survivor because they're going to go film 25 and 26. And I think the thought was that if Jeff Probst became the next, you know, Dr. Phil or whatever, uh, and his talk show really took off, that maybe that was going to be it for Survivor after 26. And I feel that even watching that episode, I felt like Jeff Probst was really mailing it in on the finale of Survivor One World. Yeah. Um, you've Obviously, you've been to finales before. You, you've played on the show. You were at Amazon and All-Stars. Did you ever go to any of the other finales as an audience member? You know, I've never sat in the audience, but I've been at the finale. I was actually there at the Survivor Cook Islands finale. And then uh, last year I was in the house for Survivor Philippines, but I was uh, hanging out, um, you know, in the press area both times and not at the sitting in the audience. Well, you know, Probst is on stage for a lot of it, not all of it. Um, you know, he, he walks on and off. Sometimes he talks to the audience a little bit. There's a, a guy that they have in-house, I'm blanking on his name, who does a lot of the, the puffing up of, of the fans. Uh, but Probst talks to the, to the audience a little bit now and then. He gets on the mic. And just having been there for One World, which is – and I actually – I defend One World. I, I, I don't – dislike that season as much as most people do and i don't have much of an issue of watching a season of survivor where somebody is thoroughly dominating the competition i kind i kind of find that fun um but i understand and objectively speaking it is not a fantastic season of survivor uh so to be there for that one where yeah you're absolutely right there was this kind of feeling of foreboding that like oh my god survivor might be coming to a close soon and maybe it should uh to go from that to where we are now just the vibe from propst in the room uh of the one world for now versus the uh, the Kagayan finale uh, was radically different. He was he was really pumped up. He was really energetic. Uh, whereas at One World, even you know between scenes, he was kind of he seemed a little rough around the edges. He seemed like he wasn't you know having a great time. And here, I think that he's really he's pumped up about Survivor, and that pumped me up. I think so too. I think that he really like feels much more ownership about this. Whereas like, I kind of feel like at that point in time, he was sort of like, you know, one foot out the door with the Jeff Probst talk show. And, you know, I hate to say it for, you know, cause I'm sure Jeff would have loved for the Jeff Probst talk show to be a success, but I feel like for the benefit of survivor, the Jeff Probst talk show not working, I think turned out to be a really positive thing for the future of the show. Uh, yeah, it was huge. We needed the Jeff Probst show to fail. <laughs> well, again, we I don't know if we realized it at the time, but it turned out to be a huge thing because now yes. uh, Jeff is pumped up and really we've had four really, really great seasons, uh, which we're going to talk about. I, you know, I'm interested to know from you guys that were in the building, what did they say about that the format change? Because typically with the finale, you're at the finale, you're watching the show on a big screen and, you know, it's a really fun atmosphere. People are cheering with with, you know, every single thing that happens, laughing at the funny parts. And then they were going to be now cutting to you guys much earlier than as opposed to when after the final tribal council has happened. 
Right. Usually they just, uh, you know, you're, you don't have to worry about anything until the reunion portion is about to start. Uh, so you basically, for one world, we had about, you know, an hour and a half, maybe a little bit more of really kind of relaxing and just watching the episode, people getting up and talking to each other in their seats. And there was certainly a bit of that here as well. But there were also uh, moments where we were told uh, you're going to have to stay in your seats for the next little while. When we come back from this segment, we're going live. So everybody, when we come back, Make sure your energy levels are high. Make sure you're you're standing up. You're cheering. Um, and then there were you know this is your last chance to use the bathroom. So if you're oh even if you're even thinking about having to pee in the next uh, hour, you got to go do that. So there were a few of those types of moments. Um, but yeah, I mean for me it was it was a lot more thrilling to be part of the Kagayan crowd because you knew that there were going to be moments where you were part of the episode where you were literally in the background of the episode as, uh, as probes is doing his thing as he's interviewing people. Uh, you know, there's, there's the, it it was great. It was really cool. And, um, I, I think that that was really the big difference is just knowing that, uh, you were going to be part of the live experience for the, for the people at home, uh, for, for this version, as opposed to, uh, what it was in, in survivor seasons past. Now you got to talk to the people from the final four. You were there, of course, covering the finale for parade magazine, and you posted your interviews, uh, with the, each of the final four. And I'll post links to those. Uh, if you want to read Josh's, uh, one-on-ones with everybody post finale, what was your take from anybody? Did anybody make a really strong impression? on you in person oh i mean they all did it was it was really a thrill uh there's been a, a again a lot of talk about how this is a, a fantastic season and a lot of talk about how this is one of the best final fours we've ever had and i i'm totally on board with that i think that this is such a it was such a great group of people uh for very different reasons and i was really excited to talk to each and every one of them and they all brought you know their unique weirdness to the table when when i got to speak to them you know woo was very very much woo tony was very tony spencer is very spencer i guess i was really surprised with Cass because Cass comes off as such a villain this season and i had what i thought was a really great conversation with her and a really interesting conversation with with her about her perspective on the game um not just her own game but but the game of survivor at large and she was really self-aware really kind really funny uh so I, I was a little surprised about that but i was also pretty excited to talk to her after i thought she had a really breakout finale episode uh you know with that final four immunity win and she gives her her great speech to her husband about why uh like you know kind of previewing what she's going to say if she makes it to the finals and then she's obviously robbed of of that final two situation so i thought it was uh it was really fun to talk to her it was fun to talk to everybody but she was the biggest surprise for me so you were really vibing with cass i loved cass i thought she was great she really I was did. vibing with everybody. I I also had a very very fun conversation with Wu. I've been <laughs> I've been all aboard the Wu train all season long. Uh, so, so so getting to to nerd out with him a little bit was pretty fun. I asked him about some of his favorite movies and who, who does he like on, in in film and all that stuff because he was making all these cliffhanger references on the show, uh, and he did not disappoint. It was it was good. Why? Well, we talked, you, we wh- talked to little Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah. Well, he is a real Michelangelo. He's a real Michelangelo. And apparently Spencer's a real Donatello. Is that what he said? That's what he said. Uh, and then our Tony and Cass, the, the other the other two? We didn't get that far. Okay. I think he, he started to say that Tony might be Raphael. <laughs> I don't know how Tony would feel about that. All right. And, and who's Leonardo? LJ? 
probably LJ. That would be my bet. I think so. If you were, if you were going to cast that. Yeah. So then, uh, what about your conversation with Tony? I'm sure Tony had to have made a, a strong impression on you. Tony was, and you saw this at home, you know, seeing it on, on, um, in the episode, he was really kind of subdued. Uh, he was, he was quiet. He was, I think probably exhausted, uh, just by this whole survivor experience. Uh, you know, it's hard to contain, I'm sure knowing the outcome of a season, let alone if you're in that final spot and let alone, you know, pretty much knowing you're going to win this thing. I think that he really, he really had to have known that, that he won. I don't think he knew that it was going to be such a landslide, but I'm sure he knew that, that he'd won. Um, and he was, he was really humble. He was very, very kind, very, I don't know. He wasn't super loud, crazy Tony. Like I was expecting him to, as the conversation kind of rolled on, it started to come out, but he was, very clear about wanting to kind of contain his excitement because he didn't want he felt like he he didn't want to rub it in anybody's face he didn't want anybody to feel like they'd reached the end of this road and here's tony the guy who is kind of a scoundrel all season long you know celebrating and hooting and hollering and kind of you know making a big scene out of everything he didn't want to be that guy and he basically said maybe when i get to the hotel room tonight and get to talk to my family uh maybe that's what i'm gonna start you know uh waving my fists in the air but for right now i'm kind of just gonna just play it cool and he played it really cool and he was really friendly with everybody i um at the end of the interview i congratulated him and told him how excited for him i was and how i i agreed with cochran what he said on on your podcast about him being one of the best player characters we've had in a long time he was very humbled by that and he was very very nice to talk to and really nice and chummy with basically everybody on the carpet you know, we had a person outside of Tony's hotel room when he, when he got back to the room that night, uh, uh-huh. and this is what he sounded like. <laughs> that, was, that was him celebrating. Yeah, it was actually kind of hard talking to him uh, or, or transcribing the interview because I didn't really know how to transcribe all of the llama talk. <laughs> so I had to get a specialist in. Uh, to Philip? Take care. Yeah, he actually speaks llama, Phil Shepard. Yeah. Did you know that? One of uh, his many skills. Did you get a chance to talk to any of the alumni at the finale? No, I did not. But I did see Cochran in the crowd, and everybody was mobbing Cochran. Cochran uh, was, was standing for photos and posing for photos and just being being a good dude. So it was, it was fun to watch that from afar. Yeah. And Cochran got his joke into the finale as well. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, I text- there's, some, there's some funny, candid Cochran shots in the finale. <laughs> oh, I felt like he got kind of snubbed when Jeff... It looked like Jeff was going to talk to him, and then Jeff walked past him. Yeah, he walked past him and, uh, and spoke to the, to the veteran. Yeah, there, there was a moment where you think that he's going to talk to Cochran, and then he... Yeah. He, he does not. I did text Cochran. I said that uh, Cochran. I'm I'm sure the uh, the Iraqi veteran really appreciated the humor in your PTSD joke. <laughs> oh yeah, he was a big fan of that. Sure, he was cracking up about that. Uh, yeah, that segment actually uh, with uh, with the war veteran. It, it's right after the Spencer vote off, uh, and that is the first time in the finale that you can actually see me if you know where to look. Yeah. Oh, can we go back and watch it in the in cbs.com? Yeah, you can go back if it's on. If they have the live portions on CBS.com, I know my wife DVR'd it, so uh, she was watching it live and wanted to see if she could find me. And I told her I'm in the I'm in the back row towards the middle. Uh, I have an empty seat next to me, um, so so look out for me. I'll try and do something to catch your attention. So right after Spencer gets voted off and it cuts to Probst, 
and you can see kind of the full auditorium. Look in the far back row. I'm one of the first people to leap up, and I start waving my arms around like a madman, and I start pumping my arm, one arm. Like the you're other on arm, Kiss Cam? Yeah, it was great. It was really, it was really fun. And it was like, you know, I'm like, I'm a professional journalist and like, I don't get excited about these kinds of things, but I couldn't help myself. I saw myself on TV and I had to do it. So, uh, that's, that's where you can find me. That was, I'm a little embarrassed about it, but it's also kind of amazing. Now you weren't one of the kids that Jeff Probst interviewed, right? No, I was not, but I was on uh, the short list to, to be part of that. All right. I didn't have enough buffs uh, on me. Let's jump into some of the questions from the listeners of Robinson Podcast. We took questions on our Facebook page and then also via our voicemail hotline. So I want to try to see how many of these that we can hit. And I want to talk to uh, take Andrew Brockman's question because I think this is the most important question that we're going to talk about as it pertains to Survivor 28 heading into Survivor 29. So here's Andrew Brockman. Hey, Rob. It's Andrew Brockman here. I have sort of a meta level question for you. Um, since we saw Tony play so erratically and make so many big moves to win his season, I'm just wondering whether players who are going to play Survivor in the future will uh, be influenced by his erratic gameplay. Do you think we'll see more players make more big moves because they think that's what it takes to win Survivor because of Tony? And could this be really good for uh, Survivor as a game and as a show to be more interesting in the future. We just came out of this slump from Redemption Island to One World where it was really predictable pagongings. And do you think Survivor now uh, has evolved past that because Blood vs. Water and now Kagiyan were so interesting, so dynamic? I'd love to know what you think. All right, so Josh, the question here ultimately is what is the impact of Tony winning Survivor on Survivor 29? Now, the people who are on this season that they're probably leaving, uh, if not, if they have not already left for Survivor 29, they are, you know, leaving imminently. They just watched Tony win the game and play this crazy, crazy game finding immunity idols left and right and basically doing all sorts of big moves that Tony pulled off. This is going to be fresh in their minds within, you know, 10, 14 days of watching this. They're going to be starting a new game. What will be the impact of Tony? I think it could be pretty big. Uh, I think that the fact that somebody has now... What's that? How big? How big? I think it could be huge. (laughs) This is huge. I needed this. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yes. Uh, that huge? I think it could be that huge. I do. Uh, I, I think that what it will do is that it has proven that somebody can win by playing such a bombastic game. Uh, a lot of people have been talking about how Tony might not be the most strategic player to ever win. He may not have played the best game of Survivor. I would certainly agree with, with those comments. But he is probably the most aggressive winner of Survivor. He is the guy who went all out, blew up the game multiple times in very unexpected ways and unexpected timing um, and still pulled it out in the end, not only in like a squeaker, but in an eight to one vote. So I think it does show that you can play a really crazy game and get to the end and win. And it does make me wonder um, how people are going to react to that and if that is going to uh, incentivize people to kind of play similarly out 
out of the box games and, and just, you know, really hit the ground running. So I think Probst is probably pumped up because this is what he wants. He's always saying you win Survivor by making big moves and Tony is the living proof. Yeah, absolutely. So these survivors are going to arrive and they're just going to get drilled by, you know, Jeff of like, hey, you guys, you want to win this game? You want to be like Tony? You got to make big moves. Got to make big moves. People are going to hit the beach in Survivor 29. People are going to be looking for idols, looking for Tyler Perry idols without clues. People are going to be digging up that entire beach this whole season of Survivor 29. And I feel like Survivor 29 could be the most aggressive game we've ever seen because I feel like everybody coming into it is going to feel like, well, I got to play like Tony uh, or I got to play like uh, Spencer or like Cass. And I feel like that this was a season where people who made sort of uh, bolder moves ended up going far. And I feel like that's what we're going to see. I'm really interested to see how Survivor 29 is going to unfold. And especially to go from this season of, of absolute pandemonium as played by new players to go into 29, a season of new players, of a, another group of people who do not know how to play this game, who have not played before, uh, are presumably not related to people who have played before, but who knows? Um, I think that that is going to be really key. I think that that's, that's one of the best things about Kagayan being where it is now and, uh, Blood versus Water 2 being uh, an all-new season right afterwards. I think if we had gone from from this season into, I don't know, like All-Stars 3, I think that wouldn't make as much of an impact. But the fact that we're going to go from all-new all players, all-crazy players, you know, blindside after blindside, jaw-dropper after jaw-dropper every single week, to go from that to another field of all-new players, I think that the pressure is going to be very high for people to be playing, to really be playing the game. Um, and I think that is, a, that is a very exciting thing. And I was thinking about this the other day, about the idea of new players versus old players. And I feel like for Survivor to be able to do seasons with all new players and have people be excited about it and have really great seasons and not have to dip into the well of All-Stars, I think that that is really, really good for the health of the show. I think that's an important vital sign because I think if you're one of these people that's dying to, you know, or if you're a returning player and you're dying to go back, I feel like this is bad news for you that these returning or these non-returning seasons are doing well like yeah. survivor Kagion, because i feel like that i feel like that when if the show was on its last legs i feel like then you would have they would be doing more going more and more and more and like we were talking about with survivor one world where it was like okay well that led to a season where they got to bring back you know they got they had penner they said okay we got to bring back penner and russell swan and scoop in and then we're going to have fans versus favorites and then we're going to have blood versus water so they had three seasons in a row with returnees and then they felt starting to feel good you know good enough about the show that way they said okay well let's have all new players and now they're feeling so good let's hey let's go more back to new players right and now they're talking about me well maybe 30 won't be all all stars maybe we'll do all new players again for 30 so i feel like it's a, a good thing overall for the show not if you're a returning player and you're dying to go back like some people are then it's not a good thing but i feel like that the the amount of seasons where we see all new players that are doing well, I think is really, really huge for the show. 
Yeah, and it comes down to casting. I mean, One World is an all-new player season versus Kagayan, which is an all-new player season. And I think it really comes down to casting people who understand the game, um, who who can you know actively play the game, that can be showstopper characters all on their own. I remember watching the early episodes of this season and seeing Dave Sampson go out so early and seeing Garrett go out so early and, I, and Bryce go out so early. And I'm thinking like, oh my God, we're losing all of these Mondo characters so fast. And you, you know, you think back on it, uh, you know, all of this time later, and yeah, those are guys who all could have had potential to be really cool in the game, but I don't regret that this is the way it shook out at all. I'm, I'm pretty happy that this is the way it shook out. Uh, so yeah, I think that um, I, I'm with you. I, I think that having all new players is is really good for, for the health of the game, as long as they're showing up to play, as long as they're showing up for the right reasons, you know, as long as they're showing up not uh, because they are they are playing for uh, you know an acting career or playing for another shot at the game. As long as they are showing up to play for this game, this season, this million dollar prize, I am all about the, the the new players. So I hope that that's what we're seeing, and it's certainly what we saw in this past season. Yeah, I don't know if people playing for a second time is necessarily uh, the the worst thing in the world. I feel like that that's that is also. It can have its its advantages. You can have its advantages and its disadvantages for sure, but I don't think that that's necessarily. You no, know, I think that you could you could call that like Philip versus Cass would be how I would break that down. Yeah, but I feel you like know, a Philip, yeah, Philip one I don't think that at the time we were like, oh my god, get Philip off of my TV screen. I think the second time he came back, I feel like that people were tired of him. But I I don't think that we were sick of Philip the, the first time around. And in fact, he was sort of like a saving grace on that on an otherwise potentially very boring season. Right, but I I mean that in terms of um in terms of gameplay. I think I think that you know Philip was was really entertaining, not necessarily for gameplay reasons on his first round, and I think Cass was entertaining for entertainment value as well as for crazy, crazy, chaotic, unpredictable gameplay. So uh, that's that's the kind of person that I like to see playing for a second shot. Okay, let's take a question from David Peaks, and he wants to know, is Tony a top 10, maybe even top 5 winner? I believe he's top 10, uh, maybe even top 5. Okay, so have you done any sort of ranking of Tony as a winner? No, um, I haven't. I haven't really thought about that very much. Um, Do you think, is Tony a top 10 winner? By instinct, I, I would say he's, he's definitely not top 5. Not, which would, not which top five, baby. Runs counter to everything that Tony believes. Uh, top five, no top five, baby. Um, top ten. I don't know. I don't think so. My gut is to say yes. I think I think Tony is probably between five and ten, but uh, I think he's inside the top ten. I think he's he's close, but for me, might be just a little bit outside of ten, and. I don't know. I'd really have to think about it. I love him. He's one of my favorite winners by a lot. But I think that he also had some moments that uh, that put a little bit of a stain on on the win. I think that there were a few things that just didn't go quite the the way that he expected it to, or weren't quite at the time didn't quite add up. Um, so I don't know. I think I think I would put him close to the top ten but maybe not quite inside of it. Okay, now Yule is somebody that his win, a lot of people feel like it has an asterisk next to it. He had the, it wasn't called the Tyler Perry Idol. I don't know what right. they called it then. It Same was thing. The super, you know, a very powerful immunity idol. 
and he had it for most of the game uh, after the merge, and he was able to leverage that into a win over Ozzy uh, in the first final three. Now, Tony, I don't, ha- I've not heard a lot of criticism of Tony of the same sort of thing. Oh, well, Tony had that super powered idol, the Tyler Perry idol, and that's how he was able to uh, win the game. Are people not looking at Yule and Tony in the same way? Well, I think the difference for me is, um, is, I don't know. I think Tony never really was ever in danger of having to play it, was he? You know, there was always Spencer on the field. And having Spencer out there kind of kept Tony pretty safe. Every, to- every day that Spencer was out there, I feel like Tony was pretty safe. Uh, so he never really had to use it. Uh, his, his bluff, I think I've heard a little bit of backlash about. Because there's the, the kind of controversy about the fact that Tony... Uh, said that he'll he'll play it at the next tribe. I'll play this at the final four, and then everyone will know what the special powers are about. And Prope's not coming out and saying, "Well, you can't do that because this ends at final five. I know that there are some people who are a little bit raw about that, but I think it's a it's a not super vocal minority. Okay, so I feel like um, you know we'd have to go and take I a think look. The at- other the other thing with with Yule is that that idol literally got him into the final three. You know, he was safe at the final four. Oh, I believe that's the case. Um, and I think that that would be, uh, you know, someone can fact check me on that. But if, if that is the truth, then I do think that that is, you know, something to kind of, I don't know. That would, that would give me a little pause. in the right. rankings. Off the top of your head, we are going to rank the top 20 players of all time. The top 20 uh, survivor players of all time. We're going to re-rank them. We originally did it in, in June of 2011. Where do you think Tony comes in in the updated 2014 rankings? Not just winners, all uh, top top 20 players all time. I don't know where he comes in there, but I would I definitely think that he's in there for sure. He's he's definitely I think he's in that uh he's in the 10 to 20 range for me, but he's definitely in there. 10 to 20 range. Okay. That's going to be a fun one to uh, watch out for. Do you think anybody else from Survivor Kagiyan makes the top 20? No, I don't. I, I don't think so. Uh, recency I, bias? Maybe a little bit of recency bias. Uh, I think for me, one of the best things about this season was it wasn't necessarily a season that was dominated by like great players. I think it was a lot of great characters and a lot of dramatic situations. Um, that was really a lot of it was motivated mostly by Tony and Cass. Uh, and I think, you know, you've got guys like Spencer who were great TV, great underdogs, fantastic challenge competitors, very, very smart guy, uh, but not necessarily a mover and shaker in the game. Um, so I wouldn't I, I would be hesitant to classify him as a top 20 player and he would probably be the next person on the list that i would think of with this season no love for your boy woo i love woo (laughs) but uh (laughs) all right he's in a different top 20 (laughs) top 20 most awesome dudes yeah he's number one (laughs) whoa congratulations all right let's take a question here from owen craig and owen wants to know everyone agrees that we had a great cast this season so in your opinions what is it that makes a survivor cast great we touched on this a little bit earlier can you quantify what that is is it is it just people all playing to win i don't know it's such a it's such a weird 
inexact science. I think it's there's there's just like a of like a magical thing that happens in the cauldron and out comes a great cast. I think that you know you don't want to. Uh, this is something Cass said to me in my interview with her, which is, she said, stop hiring Mactors. Yes. I will, I will co-sign that. Stop hiring Mactors. They're pretty to look at, but uh, they, are, they are not there for the right reasons, and they're not going to be providing uh, the stuff that we're here for. I don't know. Cast people. Cast characters. Cast people from different walks of life who are going to clash in interesting and fun and perhaps scary ways. Uh, and I think, I think that you'll wind up with a pretty good cast, but I would be, I don't know, maybe survivor. Now you do have to cast people who are going out there and are going to be playing to win in the early seasons. That wasn't necessarily the case. And you would come out with, with really fun seasons. Um, but I, I think that that is, uh, a, a thing of the past as much as I love, I love, love, love the early seasons. I just don't think that you can really get away with kind of a passive vibe of, you know, Australia or Africa and, you know, have that be a compelling survivor season. Now, I think now you really do have to have as many people as humanly possible that are out there playing to win and not out there to just be on television. How big of a factor for you was three tribes as a format this season? I love three tribes. I think it, I think it's really interesting. I think it's a, a fun way to separate people uh, for the first few you know rounds of the game. Um, and I, I wasn't wild about the brains, beauty, brawn concept as it was as it was divided up. I thought that that to me felt a little arbitrary. Uh, but I like the idea of three tribes. I think that three tribes is a really good format. Not a format to do every single season, but a format that. They they should be doing more often and i'm glad to see that it's something that they seem to be uh psyched about you know i i think this was, was this the third time that they've done three tribes third time yeah all stars philippines and this yeah. uh yeah and you know i think every time it was it was a, a crazy experience to have to have uh three tribes especially philippines and this one i think were were really good instances of, of that working out so yeah it's great for drama it's great for the game i'm all about three tribes yeah i really liked it and i feel like that it's you can definitely make the connection between seasons where you have sort of a predictable post merge game and seasons where you kept people together longer in the in the pre merge game where basically there's no tribe swap not three tribes and so if you want people to be make big moves after the merge they need to have known these people for more than a day or two and known the people on their tribes the you know first 21 days or so where if you take a look at the seasons like you had in you know whether redemption island season 22 then south pacific and i know in one world there was a swap but the tribes were and they also sort of lived together on the same beach but by making it men versus women the women were so bonded together and the men were so bonded together at that point that that those uh, alliances sort of held together after the merge. So yeah. it was almost like the the swap wasn't that big of a deal. So in and also th- it it had a uh, one vote out and then Colton's quote unquote medevac. So it was short lived. It was short lived. And so you had basically on those seasons where people got to really bond together as a group. And then after the merge, it was like, oh yeah, of course nobody really wants to flip except for Cochran. And that didn't work out for him. So everybody sort of stayed with the groupings that they were with before the merge. And you ended up with three boring seasons in a row. And then these seasons that we've had, we, you know, we had in obviously with Philippines, that was three tribes, uh, the fans versus fans 
favorites was a little bit of a different story. It was such a boring pre-merge, but it was like the fans got pagonged before the merge. So it was sort of like you ended up at the coming into the merge where you had like seven or eight favorites and only three fans or so yeah. uh, when you got when you got or I think it was four. But Caramboan is 50 percent a very good season. Yes. And so they got the boring part out of the way where it was like, oh, of course, there was a lot of flipping where those uh, those fans that made it ended up being pawns and then in the blood versus water you know it was sort of a weird season because you had you know two tribes but you had you know relationships of it almost became like another tribe of people who lost loved ones ended up being more bonded together and people who didn't lose loved ones ended up being more bonded together so that ended up being sort of a, a very unique season on its own but you had much more intermingling in those last couple seasons and that ends up in more you know people more options and more big moves happening after the merge and i do think that in some in some real way you know the um redemption island ends up letting people see you know have have more interaction and i think that sort of uh can indirectly lead to people knowing each other as opposed to just seeing them at the challenges yeah that's i mean blood versus water the way that they did redemption island is the only way that i will accept redemption island is if everybody gets to hop in the pool and everybody gets to gets to experience the the blowback of of redemption island i think that's the only way to do it if you're going to do it at all uh and i'm very happy to hear that uh that they only want to do it for blood versus water seasons i think that's the way to go i'll also say that you know i think you're right about about one world with the with the male female split being the reason why that doesn't really work out so well because i actually think it's a good concept um and and that speaks a lot to what we're talking about right now of having people mingle and know each other and be able to kind of interact with each other and, and get to know each other as as people and as players and i think that if it if it was I don't know. We'll never see it again because the stigma of really? one world. You, you think we'll see a one world what twist about, again? What about if they did one world for this next upcoming blood versus water season where you have two tribes, but you know, you're on the same beach as your loved ones. I'm not arguing that that's not an awesome idea. I think that's an I'm awesome idea. I'm not sure. Idea. We'd have to talk it through if it is or not. I feel I, like, I feel like it would be though. But I think that there's a one world stigma. I think that the stink of one world has not gone away. And I don't think that there is much about that season other than some contestants that we would be going back to. That wasn't the problem with one world. The one world idea was fine. The problem was it was great. It's a great idea. It was some of the cast and it was doing it men versus women. That was the the wrong way to go. But I I think that one world speaks to this idea that we're talking about of, you know, splitting into threes and then merging into two and then getting to the merge that gets everybody to kind of get to know each other that's a that's a way that when you get to the merge now you've got mixed relationships and now you've got mixed feelings and 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 new opportunities and new options and i think one world if if handled properly if, if it had been done well i think would be another um kind of interesting format for the game that we could have been uh pretty pumped up about it as another one of these possibilities but i i would be really surprised if they went back to it but i'd be excited but yeah. I'd be surprised. I don't think that they would do one world for a season like Blood vs. War because they love Redemption Island so much. So it's exactly, like they yeah. want that moment where it's like, oh, OK, let's see, you know. Uh, and there's something to be said about the cruelty of ripping loved ones away from each other and having them, you know, be distant from each other. Uh, and so to have them on the same beach, even if they're in different tribes, I don't know that that would 
necessarily work. I mean, maybe it would. No, I just thought it would be a good idea because if if these are people that basically it's like we're taking like amazing race teams of family members, but we don't know who they are from anybody. So at least we would get to see, oh, okay, here's, you know, uh, Josh and and his wife. Okay, we got to see, oh, we got to see them together. Okay, that's, okay, that's who that is. That's who that one is. Because if they're totally separated, I feel like it's going to be hard to know who the family members are for each person. Yeah, I guess that is kind of um that's the the concern. Do you think they'll do this next upcoming season, the Blood versus Water? Do you think they'll they'll split the 10 pairs or, or 9 pairs of loved ones? Do you think that they'll put them each with their loved one to start and then they'll split them up? Well, the rumor is that was the plan with BBW1, right? With with RC and her father in the mix that that's how they were going to do it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll see. It certainly, it certainly would make sense if they really want to establish the relationships between these people. But I think it could also work if they do it uh, by splitting the, the two different partners apart. Yeah, I'm a, I, I have no predictions for this season. I've, I've <laughs> taught me anything. It's that I'm awful at predicting anything about Survivor at this point. I'm, I'm so turned about this. This whole season just completely drove me crazy and I was always wrong. So I'm, I'm done predicting this show. I'm, I'm happy to just let it surprise me. Okay. Well, you might not be good at making predictions, but there's somebody in the RHAP family who is. Uh, and I actually want to uh, play a clip because uh, Rock Cat wants to know if Nicole, the first lady of podcasting, might be psychic after you hear this clip from the Survivor Kagiyan preview show that was recorded on uh, early in February, February 8th, 2014. I'm going to play a clip for you, Josh. Here is Nicole and I talking about the prospects of Spencer in the game. I- I'm sure that Spencer, 10 years from now, will be How old smart. Is Spencer? I think he's 21, right? Oh, right, 21. So a young lad yeah oh so my I god he'll be smarter 10 years from now <laughs> is that even an expression he's a young lad was uh has nicole been talking to tony in the off season uh did does she... nicole wait does nicole speak llama <laughs> she may oh my god i mean what are the chances of that that we'd be talking about spencer and she would describe him as a young lad <laughs> wow that's um some conspiracy theories are gonna surface from that one uh, how is that even possible oh my god she's psychic that is <laughs> really she's like linda on bob's burgers she's psychic oh my god uh, that yeah. was uh, truly amazing and yes and that's what uh, rock cat wants to know is nicole psychic for calling spencer yes. young lad in the preseason and what does she foresee for survivor san juan del sur oh my god that's a great question because she's <laughs> definitely psychic yeah isn't that amazing that's pretty wonderful. That's one of the most amazing things I think that's ever happened in my entire life. That's really great. <laughs> yeah. Is she very excited about that? Is she aware of this at this point? She doesn't seem that pumped up about it. She's not as excited as I am. I mean, it's because not like she her, called... Her secret is out. Yeah, it's not like she called, like, woo a young lad or anything right. like that. I mean, that it's it's pretty amazing. Although there's been a couple other things like that uh, in, the, in the Survivor uh, Blood vs. Water premiere. I talked about somebody was going to rustle feathers uh, during the season. <laughs> Uh, so there's a couple things like that that's seemingly always in the preview show wow yeah i will uh i'll be listening intently to the preview show next season listen intently uh come next fall okay let's go ahead is somebody gonna say listen intently on the next (laughs) 
Yes. Yeah. Let's go ahead and let's take a... Uh, here's a question from uh, Megan Z. Here's Megan. Hi, guys. This is Megan Z. To the best of my knowledge, this was the first season where Jeff was not in his traditional outfit to read the final tribal council votes. Now, it's been a long time since the contestants had to awkwardly pretend to wear their island clothes at the finale. And I was just wondering if you had any personal preference on finale wardrobe. Thank you. Josh, would you like to see the contestants go back to wearing what they were wearing on the island and try to fake us out? No, I don't really care about that. What's what's weird is that uh, throughout the entire uh, behind the scenes process before the vote reveal is that Probst was wearing his his island clothes. So he did a wardrobe change. No, that's not true. He was in he was in plain clothes the entire time. Uh, I don't know. That's that's interesting. I think probably because it was going to be he was going to be on camera for you know the whole three hours and probably just wanted to to have uh, you know the same look going through the whole thing. I think for him to be in in uh, Survivor Jeff Probst clothes throughout those whole two hours, I think would have been a little strange for him so can we confirm that i feel like i've seen him in like long sleeve sweatshirts and like leather well, jackets he, before at the finale he, change, he changes after the vote reveal he does he does like a yes. quick change <laughs> yeah that, that's that's traditionally what happens is he shows up oh my god with the, with the voting urn wearing one of his you know cargo shirts and then the votes are revealed cut to commercial it's a longish commercial and when he comes back he's wearing like a like a suave long sleeve shirt looking looking good wearing jeans that's that tends to be how it is there's a costume change when was the last time they had the survivors wear their island clothes oh my gosh i, ca- I can't even remember i'm trying to, we um, definitely didn't in the amazon and they definitely did not do it at the all-stars i'm trying to think if if um Lil and Sandra for the Survivor Pearl Islands final two might have been that long ago you think I think so because I feel like Lil was wearing the the Cub Scout uniform at the finale well yeah definitely they were not going to do that finale without her in the Cub Scout uniform yeah absolutely not but I'm trying to think of since then I don't know if they if they did it I don't know if they did for like Vanuatu or anything like that I, I don't think so yeah I'm stumped um that's a really good question I would be very curious to know the answer Okay, let's take a question from Ron Chan. And Ron Chan wants to know, he's been asking this all season long, do you consider this to be the best season of all time? If not, which season is top on your list? And Josh, if you say Survivor One World, I'm going to hang up the phone. Which is my top season of all time? Is this the top season of all time? No, I don't think it's the top season. Top top five, baby? I, I do think that, you know, we are very close to it. If I had to give my answer today, top five, I don't know what my answer will be a year from now. I would imagine it would probably still be top five. Okay. I'm hesitant to put it at number one right now. It could get there. It's a fantastic season. It was so exciting, so unpredictable, such great characters, really good twists. Um, hard to think of Hard to think of many better seasons than this one. But I also have weird tastes in Survivor, so I don't know that I'm the one. So what is to. the best season of Survivor, in your opinion? The best season of Survivor? Um, probably the first. Yeah, I know. Which, which it's, is a dull it, answer. It's bo- but, and it's boring the first season, but it's, it's hard to go back and watch. It doesn't have uh, the rewatch factor, if especially if you're kind of a new fan of the show, if you weren't watching from the early days. But um, not my favorite. I think that you know, it's just it's hard to 
hard to argue that that was the one you yeah, know that was that was the one that hooked everybody you know in. what i think it's sort of like you know the first person that you ever fell in love with and yeah. it's like you might go on to you know have many great romances uh in your life uh or or not if you if you're me uh but oh, if, <laughs> no, no i i would have, would have few i would have few great romances right uh but you know that that first one is never going to be more special and i know it's i know it's silly and try to say that but i mean it just is there was never you know no tv show ever meant more to me than the first season of survivor did when it was on yeah and i that's australia for me because i only caught the final episode of borneo when it was live and that was like oh i should be watching the show and then i uh was all in for australia and that's the one that really hooked me australia and africa are kind of uh those for for me but um i i can say what my favorites are i don't think i could say what what the bests are beyond you know the very dull answer of borneo but i think it's a fair answer i think borneo is the season that that got this whole thing started so hard to hard to screw with the original and so dalton ross that he's sort of the authority on this he does his season rankings um i'm going to get together with him and do a podcast talking about this specific issue um we i wanted to do it post finale but he's going to be part of the press contingent traveling for survivor 29 so we're going to do it after he gets back just real quick let me give you what his top five are so he goes with he uh, he used to have survivor fans versus favorites number one but now he's made it a tie between survivor borneo and survivor fans versus favorites which is a very very strong season I like that season a lot. Um, then he has three Survivor Heroes versus Villains. Heroes versus Villains is fantastic. Yeah. I think I have Survivor Heroes versus Villains ahead of Fans versus Favorites. But Absolutely that just might be personal no, for bias too. for me because uh, Survivor Fans versus Favorites was not when I was podcasting. Survivor Heroes versus Villains was when I got back into podcasting about Survivor. So it felt more important to me. But that's 100% my personal perception of those two I'm- seasons. I'm also just not huge on the fans versus favorites format. So that knocks it down a few pegs for me. But uh, a full on all stars, I think, is fair game. Now, Dalton Ross has Survivor Kagiyan at four in his rankings. Uh, and this is he writes these uh, the Thursday before the finale. So um, we'll talk to him about whether or not he bumps the uh, up into the top three uh, after Tony wins the game. Presumably, uh, if your boy Wu or something had won the season that it would have gone down but yeah he puts it at number four yeah i think with the, with the tony outcome it's only going to go up it's not going to go down and number five he has survivor amazon there you go oh hey there you go and then he has a uh, survivor six uh i'm sorry at six he has survivor seven which is pearl islands um and then he has at seven palau i think that's probably too high for palau and then uh, Pearl Islands, I feel like uh, I feel like is low. I think Pearl Islands is. I think I would have that higher. I think I would have Pearl Islands ahead of Kagiyan. People love Pearl Islands. Yeah, Pearl Islands was was so was was so huge, and I really I love the way. I don't think that there's a season of Survivor where the theme worked as well as the theme worked in Survivor Pearl Islands. Like, they just yeah, hit sure. that on the head so perfect with the whole piracy theme. Yeah, and say what you will about, like, Rupert fatigue these days. Back when he first 
came out of the gate. What a what an entrance and what a character that season. And um, you know, there's tons of great characters on that season. The asterisk for me is the outcast twist. That yeah. always always for me kind of holds Pearl Allen's back for me, but that's just a personal thing. I but cannot deny the greatness of Pearl Allen. I feel like in hindsight, I mean, is the outcast twist that bad? I mean, you know, compare it to Redemption Island. I mean, wasn't that basically the precursor to Redemption Island? The two people, you know, got voted out, won a competition and came back in the game. Well, first of all, people don't like Redemption Island, so it's not, all right, it's not but, really not but, really fair to say. But I, but I nobody's think saying, Island, oh, Blood versus Water goes way down. Uh, Redemption Island. Well, I think that the di- the key difference is no one knew about the Outcast twist going into it, and with Redemption Island, you know when you're voting somebody out that they're going to a special place where they are not uh, going to be feasting and showering all the time. So I think that um, allegedly, allegedly. So I think that that for me. Uh, is a huge, huge distinction between uh, the Outcast Twist and Redemption Island. Okay. Uh, let's take a question from Anthony, and let's talk about something that you and I talked about earlier this season. Here is Anthony. Hello, Robin Josh. All right, it's Anthony Calistro here from Vancouver. Now that Cass and Spencer have carried on this grand tradition of making the final four after being on the losing tribe of a season that started with three tribes, uh, do we have to start taking fishbacks sabotage your tribe strategy seriously would love to hear your thoughts thanks bye now hold on that i feel like we need to get into the intellectual property debate here didn't you come up with the idea of intentional mat singing i don't think i came up with the idea of intentional mat singing i might take responsibility for the phrase okay um but you you trademarked it though i should have i think i'm screwed Honestly, I think I'm screwed here. Oh, no. I will always know. I will be like the Winkle Voss twins uh, yeah. on this one. I will know who, who invented. Well, luckily, we have recorded every episode of Rob Has a Podcast. So somebody oh, somebody could go back into the archives and see who said it first, uh, whether Josh Wiggler first proposed the idea of intentional mat singing or Stephen Fishback first proposed the idea of throwing your challenges pre-merge. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll have to roll the tape. We'll have to check it out. All right. Somebody will get to the bottom of that. All right. Anyway, now you threw it out early in the season. I scoffed. I said that is not a good idea. Now, Cass and Spencer end up making to the final four. Do you give any more serious consideration to your idea of intentional math singing? I don't think that it played out. Uh, the way that I was I was arguing it for. If it had played out the way I was arguing it for, they would have gotten rid of Spencer at that vote instead of Jatia. So I don't think it, it would have been more about Cass and Tasha. So nobody intentionally Matt singed this season. If anything, they tried to save their tribe by keeping Spencer around in, instead of Jatia. Um, so I think it's still an interesting concept. I would still be very fascinated to see it play out, but we haven't seen it play out. Um, but, you know, Two of two of the people on that really really horrible tribe made it to the final four, so that that is interesting. Uh, but I don't I don't think it's related to the intentional mat sing concept. I don't think that we really saw it uh, in full. All right, so intentional mat singing. You think that we did not on, see it, I'm, or you think it's still a good idea? I'm st- I'm still interested in the idea. I don't even know if back then I said it's a great idea. It's a, I think it's an interesting idea, and I would be very curious to see how it plays out, and I think that it could play out in a really big way for somebody. I think that somebody could benefit really greatly from an intentional mad thing. It also could really blow up in somebody's face. Absolutely. So I want to take a moment and uh, thank our sponsor for the podcast today, Josh. And uh, I know that there are a few people who are watching more TV shows uh, than you are. 
Oh my god, I'm watching all of the TV shows. You're watching, you're watching all of them, and I'm sure that you've watched plenty of TV shows on Hulu on your computer, but Hulu Plus is much, much more because you get to watch what's on Hulu on your TV. Does that sound like something you might be interested in? Yeah, of course. All right, well, with Hulu Plus, uh, they are back as a sponsor of Rob as a Podcast. You can watch current seasons of episodes of your favorite shows like Modern Family, The Daily Show, and Scandal. People love The Scandal. Yeah, people, I love Scandal. I'm a little behind on Scandal, but I love that show. Oh, well, you can catch up on Hulu Plus, and you can watch every episode of shows like Nashville, Doctor Who, and Lost. How would you like to have the whole Lost catalog right at your fingertips, Josh? Well, I might already have you the, might, whole, but the you, whole DVD because I'm a super nerd. But, but you if wouldn't I have to make a mess. Nerd, I'd be pumped. I'd be excited. Uh, you can also get ad-free movies and kids shows too. So now more than ever, there's so much to watch. You could take control with Hulu Plus to stream these shows and thousands more as much as you want, whenever you want. Hulu Plus works on your computer, smart TV, Roku, Apple TV, Xbox, PlayStation, and pretty much any streaming device you order. And that's pretty much all of them, right? That's a lot of them, yeah. <laughs> and you can even watch on your phone or iPad while on the train, at work, uh, at the dentist, or in the bathroom. Be careful, I, though. I watch a lot of TV in the bathroom. I'm not going to lie. You can even block off a whole day uh, to binge watch everything. You'll also get access to original series that you can't get anywhere else. Check out the new show, Deadbeat, a comedy about a pot-smoking guy who talks to ghosts. Uh, Josh, that's not that's- you, is it? That sounds like my my freshman year of college. (laughs) And you can watch on all 10 episodes, uh, binge watch it any way you want it. For only $7.99 a month, get all your shows anytime, anywhere. That's like a quarter a day. Right now, you can sign up at HuluPlus.com slash Rob and get two weeks of full access completely free. That's a whole week more extra with this special offer when you sign up at HuluPlus.com slash ROB. No promo code, just use that link, Hulu plus.com slash rob and you get an extra week free when you sign up so uh get with it and start streaming tv now at hulu plus all right and josh as i mentioned before with all those classic seasons of survivor that are in the all-time rankings you can watch a number of them i think they got about uh, half the back catalog of the survivor up at hulu plus as well well, that's awesome. I Whenever I have nothing to watch and I'm just working and I need something in the background, it's a survivor season, so that's good for me. All right, let's get back into it. Let's take a question from Mark Paris, who wants to know that production has always been open to players making things up. Has the door now been thrown wide open? Will someone pull a Bob Crowley and make a Tyler Perry idol to show others? Uh, will other players be suspicious of any unsubstantiated claims? Show me the instructions that came with the idol. Uh, will that be something that people end up saying in future seasons of the show? Yeah, that's a really fun question to ponder. Uh, because now Survivor has shown that there are, the, the, at least in the future, there is the possibility of special idols, idols with powers that nobody is privy to uh, being in the mix. Yeah, that certainly is a bluff that people could be, could be making going forward. I think that's going to be really, really uh, interesting because, you know, again, this is like the impact of Tony. And I don't think that we'll necessarily know it until Survivor 29 and 30 is over because people are going to also the way they film these Survivor seasons, they're going to go film Survivor 29. Then they'll take like a break for a couple of weeks and then they're going to go film Survivor 30. So the people that play in Survivor 30 are also going to be very impacted by what they saw with Tony. So a year from now, we won't 
won't really know what the full impact of Tony is until then. But it's very possible people could claim I have a special power. I have a, I have an idol that you know I this is an idol that it also does this. Tyler Perry had a new idea, so <laughs> I think it's going to be really really fun. And in a lot of ways, I think that Medea's medallion of power, Medea's medallion of power, that Survivor in in more and more ways like is really becoming sort of like a blank canvas where you know more and more people are probably going to be trying to get more and more creative and build on what's already happened and you know if somebody with a real vivid imagination comes into the game you know they might make some of the stuff that tony came up with look tame yeah what do you think about um jeff letting something like that ride like letting tony say this idol can be played at the final four and jeff shutting up i mean his argument is this is their game their rules i'm just here to facilitate the game are you are you cool with that do you find that to be i always say that survivor i believe the survivor the television show will let anything slide if they think it will be good television if yeah. you're trying to pull something that is that goes against making good TV, I think they're going to shut it down. If you come up with an idea, and we've talked about this a number a number of times, and I, and I always bring it up with you know that Stephen says you know absolutely not, you cannot steal the hidden immunity idol from people, and that may be the rule until somebody does it and they say, hey, uh, we're letting that go for blah 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 blah, and they'll find a way to justify it. So I feel like that the show is going to always side in what's going to make the commercial where they can say it's a survivor first and you know if somebody comes up with something that seems like a violation of the rules beforehand but they can sort of justify it with like hey well we never said you know blah 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 then they're gonna let that go and let it be something that they can promote to try to make the they're gonna do what's in the best interest of the the series but let's let's say and let's hope that there are smart players in these future seasons in these in these two seasons that are coming up. Uh, so not only people who are making these kinds of crazy claims, you know, making Tony esque claims that I've got a special idol that can allow me to do this, and they're just lying through their teeth. Um, what about the players who say, "Can I see an instruction manual?" You know that how do you how do you present that on TV? Uh, well, I think then you, you have to show that conversation. I think it's like, you know, there's somebody... You have to, you have to bring probes in for that. No, I mean, no, not necessarily. So let's say there's somebody... Let's make up a new uh, character and let's call him Stan. And Stan, okay. uh, Survivor Stan, you know, now he's saying that he has an idol and he, you know, the idol can do, you know, he gets to vote two people out at tribal council. And there's an, and you know, and there's a girl, Melissa, and Melissa says, well, you know, I don't believe you. Show me, you know, show me the, show me what it says with the idol. And he could say no, or he could say, you know, sure. But I think we'd see that on the show. Right. But what if she's asking a producer or asking oh, well, Propes. That's the question I want to know. Is that where Propes says, I don't know if he's got an idol that can play two people or does he say, no, he doesn't have it. No, I think that they would say, well, I don't, I don't know, but I feel like that she, that she should say to, to Stan, Hey, um, let me, like, I don't believe you. Let me see the thing. And if he says, of course she should say that to Stan, but she should also say that to, I mean, if I'm, if I'm Melissa, I'm going to be saying, Hey, Jeff, 
is this true? Does this guy have an idol with uh, the ability to vote for two people at once or to, to cast two votes? What does Jeff say in that situation? I think the precedent that this season is, you know, that, you know, that there have been times in the history of this show where we've experimented with a, with a new twist. And so, you know, I can't confirm or deny if that twist exists in this season. Interesting. Well, I would be very curious to see that play out. Uh, and I think that it would sort of, if he did say, no, that's, that's a lie, then I feel like, you know, that would be go, uh, go against what we've established this season. And he's messing up Stan's game. He'd, mess, he'd be messing up Stan's game because he's bluffing. And Stan would be pissed because that guy is volatile. Yes, yeah, Stan is, uh, you know, super uptight. Surly Stan. <laughs> surly. And, you know, basically he's going to be pissed. Yeah. Okay. So... I also talked about this with Cochran uh, quite a bit in our podcast, but do you think that part of the impact of Tony, do you think that people will be like going for the hashtag, going for the episode title more and more, uh, that Tony was such a big personality that do you think that people are going to be trying to be wackier, talking llama, doing things like this? Yeah, and that even goes back to Bud versus Water with like the coconut bandits. I do. I think that playing playing for the hashtag is a thing that people are definitely going to start playing. Uh, you know, I don't think that Tyson necessarily had hashtag coconut bandits in his mind when he, when he did it. I don't think that Tony had hashtag spy shack. Cass claims she did not have hashtag chaos Cass in her mind. But I think now that we've seen these two seasons that were so hashtag heavy, I think absolutely we are going to see. You know, we'll see like. Uh, like the Property Brothers on, on the next season of Blood versus Water. And property Brothers? And they're definitely going to be like, hashtag prop bros. You know, you're going to see it. It's going to happen. Uh, do you have a prediction for a hashtag for Survivor 29? You want to just call one out? Um, hashtag uh, banana butt. Banana butt? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> what, what happened there? Somebody sat on a banana? Yeah, it's like what happened to Wu except uh, landing on a banana in a precarious way oh no yeah. uh, i'm gonna go with hashtag malarkey okay like somebody's yeah. gonna try to put that out there i think that mine is a little likelier to be honest <laughs> um just by a by a by a nose matt uh matet wants to know survivor kagiyan was filled with hilarious moments such as jatia dumping out the rice tony's llama talk the beauties arguing over how eggs are made etc what was the funniest moment all season um, this is huge. I needed this, I think, by a country mile. But with, I feel like that was the funniest moment on Rob has a podcast, not necessarily the funniest moment on the show. I don't know. I was laughing pretty hard when that was when that was going on. <laughs> Every time he found an idol, it, that probably was rap fueled, especially as we got further along the season and he just would not stop making sweet love to his uh, idols. Yes. I don't know. Jatia, I don't think I would necessarily classify as funny so much as just absolutely mental what about woo eating the ribs woo eating the ribs was fantastic <laughs> that scene was amazing immaculate uh and everything from that auction was great even what is she cheapo depots yeah. uh, and woo get get a fat dip of that guac <laughs> i think that auction was awesome it was the best auction 
it's in the conversation for sure. I would put that as a top five auction, definitely. Wow, top five auction for especially uh, with you know kind of the nail biter ending of it, and, and Probst calling them out on their BS and having it go down to the rock draw, and Spencer having another Charlie Brown moment. I just thought that it was it was great. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all very very funny moments. Uh, what was? What do you think was the funniest of the season? Boy, um, I feel like the llama talk. It probably takes it. Yeah, that's pretty good. I think that's. I think that's that's pretty good. Um, you know, if you, I don't remember which episode it was. It's the episode where Alexis gets voted out, um, and Tony and Wu are coming back from raiding the other camp's supplies. And I, th- I think it's there that Tony comes back and he makes like a llama-ish noise. It's like the, the llama prologue. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say when he tries to give the idol to Jeremiah, I feel like uh, that's another funny moment. No, that, I feel like that was another funny moment where he basically tries to throw Jeremiah under the bus. I also feel like it's another funny moment when Wu comes back from that reward challenge and basically is trying to lie to Tony. Um, and Tony is like, sets up like, okay, if he says that... Look, if he says that nothing happened, then that means something happened. And he's like, right. Woo, what's going on? What was the strategy talk? And uh, Woo's like, yeah, uh, yeah, not much. Uh, <laughs> you know, I thought, I thought that, was, that was pretty funny. He's like, yeah, Spencer, he was saying to vote, he wants to vote out Tasha. Like, uh, what? So I thought that was pretty funny also. That was pretty good. Woo, Woo was the master of some very funny stuff. I think with uh, uh, even when, when he was asked uh all right, Woo, do you, do you have thoughts on what you want to do? Yeah. What do you guys want to do? I was, that was pretty good. Um, Woo's entire confessional with uh, Ninja Stealth Mode was really fantastic. Um, and Jeremiah confessing that he was a model is pure gold. Yeah, very, very, all Se- very fun stuff. Secret Agent model was really fantastic. Let's take a question here from Mike Bloom. And Mike Bloom wants to know, whose stock will rise as time passes and people look back on the season? Whose stock will fall when the initial popularity fades? So this always happens where, you know, as we get further away from seasons, like people that we think are really big deals. For instance, I've talked a lot about David Murphy, where after Survivor Redemption Island, I think a lot of people were like, oh, David Murphy's probably going to come back. And I remember I saw David Murphy at like a reality rally and he was like, yeah, they're, they're, they're talking to me about Survivor 23. And uh, then you've never heard David Murphy ever again uh, right. since then. So who are the people that you feel like, let's do the people that as we get further away from this season who are the people that we're going to sort of forget about i hate to say it because i i believe she was my pick to win i know she was yours sarah yeah i think sarah could fade away a little bit i I don't think sarah will will play again i think that there's a possibility if they do a full all-stars i think there's a possibility but that's really the only scenario i could see it okay Um, um yeah i think i think sarah is one uh lj as well yeah, I think so. I think LJ will fade into the background a little bit just because of his placement. And, you know, there was a lot of potential there, but uh, unrealized and so many other bigger characters that I think that he just kind of uh, falls under their shadow. Who's going to get remembered better? I think Cass. Whoa. I really do. I think that I don't think enough people give credit for the fact that this season was as awesome as it was 
because of Cass and because of what she did at that merge. Uh, I think that if she had not done what she did, if she basically hadn't killed her chances to win the game, uh, the season would have could have very easily gone to a Pagong. Uh, we wouldn't have had Tony. We wouldn't have had, you know, we would have lost LJ sooner. We would have lost Jeffra. So I, I mean, you know, but uh, I think that with, with Cass doing that flip, I think was really, it's obviously, it's the pivot point of the season. And I don't think that right now she's getting the credit for that. I think right now there's a lot of attention on, on Spencer and Tony and deservedly so. But I think that what Cass did there is an, an enormous part of why this season was as crazy and awesome as it was. All right. On the same subject, let's uh, continue this conversation. Matt Ligori wants to know, uh, you were big on Sarah preseason and Prope seems to really like her. Suppose we only see three players return from this season. Does Sarah get the call over Tasha over Wu? So I guess uh, that Matt is presuming that Tony and Spencer will definitely play again and yeah. he wants to know if sarah will be the third and you say and you say that Cass no. will be the third person to play again. i would put i would put Cass as the third and I tasha agree. as the fourth tasha as the fourth um i feel like those are probably the four is there anybody else from this season that you think will ever see play again i mean i could see sarah playing again i really think it would have to be a full all-stars and even then i don't think so and i would put her uh, in fifth place of that of that lineup, I think that she would be the fifth. So, in order of likelihood, I would say um, Tony Spencer, Cass, Tasha, and also she just uh, said that she's pregnant at the reunion show. So, I feel like that would really set the timetable back uh, right. even further for Sarah potentially playing the game again. I kind of feel like Sarah is one and done. I think so. I think unfortunately, so. first person voted out after the merge. You know, doesn't have a deep, uh, you know track record into the game um hey that's boston rob and he played four times hey that's right you know but i think boston rob had a bigger impact on marquesas than sarah did on sure. survivor kagian in, in her time um how about morgan do you think we see morgan ever again she was that's such a, a I, I will put morgan ahead of sarah i actually think that there's a decent chance that we will see morgan again yeah i feel like i actually think a pretty good chance that we'll see morgan again i feel like um if we were just talking about you know, one-time players, are there that many, if we're just casting for babes, okay, if we're saying like, okay, because you know there's going to be, they're going to bring back somebody because they're in a, you know, they're going to be in a bathing suit. Um, Is there anybody that you feel like from recent seasons that one-time players only, uh, so don't give me like, oh, well, well, why don't we bring Andrea back? Why don't we bring, um, you know, who's ahead of her in line, do you think? I don't think anybody. How about R.C.? I think RC is ahead of Morgan. I think RC because of um, the fact that she was already going to be coming back and that didn't work out for her. I think that she's clinched a spot on a future season. And RC is a hundred times more drama than Morgan. Right. But I think think that Morgan could come back. I would not sleep on on that. I think that there's a very good shot of Morgan coming back. I'm just, uh, you know, going through in my head. Well, I feel like... Um, again, if we're just going by bathing, you know, who is, who are we casting there? Cause we need, um, the bathing suit people. So I'm not going to put Sierra in that conversation, but I think Sierra is certainly ahead of Morgan to come back. I'm Abby. Trying, uh, no, I think that Morgan's ahead of Abby Marie. I, I don't know if that really? I don't think Abby Marie is super high up on the list to come back. 
Wow. That surprises me to hear you say that. I, I, if I am putting my fantasy list of, of recent returnees, uh, recent players to return for a future season, Abby is 100% on my list, especially if our season. Is in the oh, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, feel, I still say that they should do my idea for a returning season is rivals. And I think that you bring those two back together. I love that. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of like a, a reverse blood versus water. It's like a blood versus water with somebody you don't like. Uh, <laughs> and then you can sort of, they vote them out and then you could switch places with them. I don't know why you would, but uh, I think that would be a really fun season. But um, I'm trying to think of anybody else uh, in just the per- people we're bringing back because they are going to be in a bathing suit on TV. And I can't think of too many other people. I'm sure somebody in the comments will come up with somebody. Angie. Angie, no, I think Angie's. I think she's done if with Gordon Survivor. Gordon Holmes is the king of casting. Yeah, but I think she's she's done with Survivor casting because yeah. um, I tried to interview Angie recently, and like her manager, or publicist was like, "Yeah, I think she she doesn't want to talk about Survivor anymore." So I think she might be just like ready to turn. She's trying to be Miss Universe. Like I think she's sort of moved on with her with her uh, pageant career, and probably will be much more successful at that because uh, I think she has the skill sets for that a lot more than Survivor. I think Morgan has a really good shot and you know i would love to see someone like alexis back but i think you know she's pre-merged so i I just don't really see it and i certainly don't see her getting a spot over morgan yeah uh but maybe you know a a miss survivor on her resume might help things yeah could good good. all right could be a huge uh, miss survivor year once again uh joe terso speaking of Cass coming back wants to know does Cass have the potential to make another long run through the game again or was she a one-hit wonder can we talk about the prospects of Cass returning? Uh, it depends entirely on whether or not she can play a social game. If she can figure out how to play the game that she likes to play while not getting on everybody's nerves and not grading every single person that she's out there with. If she can do that, then yes, she can go deep. If not, I see her kind of like in the in the Randy Bailey spot of just like going very early. Well, you know, it's tough. She's very There's, good at challenges, and that is in her favor. You know, she's well, she's, she's a surprisingly she's, she's, she's good at one aspect of challenges. That, it's a it's right now. It's a very important aspect this season. The puzzle was was key. Yeah. You know, it's hard because the, I feel like there's the three aspects of the game. There's the there's the physical, there's the social, and there's the strategic. And I feel like of the three. I feel like the one that she's deficient in is the hardest to learn. I feel like the strategic is the easiest to learn. I think you could take somebody who's never been on Survivor before. They can go out and play and lose and then come back a second time and, and, and learn the yeah. strategic. Tyson, I think, is the best example of that. Tyson doesn't know anything about Survivor the first time he's playing. And by the third time he's playing, he could basically, you know teach a uh you know a master's class and in, in how to play the strategy of survivor yeah but, i think that's that's parvity too you know the, pr- definitely and these you know str- these you know physical you could go to the gym like you could train that but the social i think is so hard to improve on i kind of feel like I agree. you are who you are and the game is so great and so beautiful because it strips you of anything any facade you could sort of put on top of it like nice clothes or makeup or nice things and and a title and, and things like that where you know you can sort of um you know have this sort of ways to sort of mask who you actually are and yeah. i feel like if you you know struggle with the social i feel like you're always going to struggle with the social i don't know how yeah. you learn that 
When you struggle with the social and you play the type of game that Cass played, her only real shot is if she's doing something like what Russell did, which is playing back-to-back seasons where no one gets to see your season first. So, so no one gets to know you the first time. Uh, now that everybody has, has seen who Cass is, sees how she plays, and then gets Cass in a future season, I think that's tough. See, I disagree, though. I feel like she's almost in a position like almost like Cochran was um, and, and Cochran turned out to be a, a much better social player than we gave him credit for in his original season. But if she can end up in her second time around on a tribe that does well in the pre-merge game, then she's never getting voted out after the merge because I don't think that they see her as a threat. So sort of like how Sandra, remember like when Sandra and Courtney, it was between Sandra yeah. and Courtney at uh, Heroes vs villains and then sandra made the merge and then she goes all the way to the end i feel like Cass would be in the same spot where if she's on a good enough tribe in the pre-merge then i think she could make another deep run into the game factors gotta go her way uh that that is a factor uh she has to somehow has to work on that social game i think and i think that that is going to be the biggest thorn in her side i think she's aware of it Mm -hmm. which is which is a good thing you know in in my interview and all of her interviews she has identified her social game as something that she has to improve if she ever goes back so it's it's good to be aware of your weakness but i don't know that that's enough to turn it into a strength I think three tribes doesn't work to her favor in the second time around i feel like she she wants to be in a tribe of like 15 (laughs) yeah. <laughs> she wants to be she wants to be on one of those 10 person tribes 10 person tribe is the is the way to go and you need, then you need to find somewhere to hide otherwise uh it's like survivor riverlands all over again your little finger first one out yeah she needs to be on a 10 person tribe and she needs to have like you know russell's on her tribe and like people you know lots of big threats where people are like okay well you know the winners have got to be frankly, there i think that that's probably the likely scenario i i my personal feeling is when they do another returning player season it would probably be full-fledged and you're going to have some of the biggest characters if not in survivor history then in recent survivor history and i think if it, if it is a 20 person season and she's on a 10 person tribe and let's call it like a villains tribe then she she's got room to hide uh so it's not necessarily lights out for cast but it it's it's not easy for her either i think she's gonna have her work cut out for her but yeah if you know there are scenarios that would end up being uh better than some of the other ones yeah okay all right so let's go ahead and let's take a question here from a nathan bayless who wants to know what was the final score of rob versus aj mass's survivor fantasy draft now did you happen to check that podcast out during the season when i uh did a fantasy draft with aj mass Absolutely. I, I never miss an AJ Mass cast, but I, I don't remember it super well. Okay. So uh, that basically, let me give you the rundown because, uh, you know, that we had had a couple of close battles uh, previously and uh, you got points for advancing in the game, for playing, for playing the idol, making to the final three, getting jury votes. And so uh, I had beaten AJ Mass in the Big Brother one we had done last summer. I had beaten AJ Mass in Survivor Blood versus Water on Vetus voting for Monica. That was the one <laughs> that right. the two points from that put me over the edge. So uh, here were the two te- the two teams that were drafted. And I don't have the exact uh, draft order, but my team was, uh, and we drafted this the episode I think after Alexis. Oh, no, I'm sorry, it was the week before Alexis got voted out. So it was right after the swap. And I guess uh, this was right after uh, Cliff Robinson got voted out. Okay. okay? So the uh, the teams were, I had LJ, Sarah, 
Tasha, Jeremiah, Alexis, and Jeffra. That was the team I drafted. (laughs) And the team AJ drafted was Spencer, Cass, Tony, Wu, Morgan, and Trish. So uh, that AJ, AJ Mass won this thing about four weeks ago. Blowout. It was a blowout. He he Rough. had the entire final five. Wow. Uh, was it even final six? Did he have the, the whole final six? I guess I had uh, Tasha. Wow, that's incredible. It really, it really was incredible. So this this season was so hard to predict. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, not for I AJ mean, Mass. Not for AJ Mass. He knew everything. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, even when I when I was back when I was on the podcast, I think it was it was right after they'd voted out voted out Jatios when I was on voicemails with you, and I told you about my. Um, my survivor draft that I do with my friends. Uh, I wrote about it during Blood versus Water, the, the New Orleans draft that I, that I did. I wrote about it on Rob as a website.com. Um, and I have won that fantasy league uh, three times in a row. And we, we do it as a, as a winner pick. Just get the winner and you win. Um, and I don't remember my team off the top of my, my head, but I think I had like Jeremiah and some people. And I was very unexcited about who I had. Uh, turns out I had Tony. So you know, it, it's it's very it, it was a, it was a grab this this season. I think uh, you know it, it really could have gone in so many different ways for so many different people, and I think that a lot of it came down to luck of the draw and a lot of chaotic plays that blew up people's predictions. Super unpredictable season. Edward Morris wants to know how big of a shock is it that all but two of the individual immunities went to a brain? Uh, can you believe it? What Spencer had three, Tasha had three, and Cass had one, and then Wu got the other two. Wow, I hadn't, I didn't not realize that was the breakdown. Yeah, and they were so bad pre-merge in the challenges. Yeah, they just needed to play on their own. I guess that was that was what they were itching for is just to play their game. Yes, I think so. Let's Are you surprised that Tony didn't win an immunity? Um, I really am because it's like the one, it's the one idol he never got. Yeah, he you know it was such like such so strong compared to those other guys. I mean, Wu is probably the only guy who can you know be close to him in physical strength, and uh, you know he was in the running on a couple of them, but then he never ended up uh, ultimately winning one. I feel like we were robbed. Uh, as viewers of Tony winning an immunity necklace and the reaction to winning an immunity necklace. Yeah, that would be... I feel like that would have been... um, That week when that happened would have been the number one inappropriate out-of-context quote on the podcast. Oh, oh my God. Wow. (laughs) I love you so much, man. (laughs) Except actually talking to Probst this time. I love you so much, man. I love um, you so much, Jeff. <laughs> okay, uh, let's take a, a few more questions. This is one, this is one that a couple people asked uh, some version of this question. Uh, Kyle Han wants to know, a common thing in Survivor is saying, I swear on my blank. Do you think that's overused at this point? Do you think people like Tony has said it so much that it has no meaning anymore? Uh, what would you say instead to make sure that the person trusted you? And then sort of a, a different variation on the same question is, David Cintron wants to know, do you feel like modern Survivor is less concerned with players who lie to get ahead since it's now been deemed part of the game. For example, if Survivor Kagiyan had taken place in 2005, Tony's behavior would have been seen as even more reprehensible than Boston Robin All-Stars, and thus he would have lost to Wu. Okay, so has the whole idea and our reaction to it of 
You know, I swear to God, I swear on my family, I swear on my wife, I swear on my baby, I swear on my dead dad. Uh, the whole, like, does that even worth anything on Survivor anymore? And are we just so numb to, like, do you remember in Survivor Vanuatu where Twyla was in the final two? Yeah. And what did she swear on? She sweared on her kid or something? I think, her, I think her kid. And it was like, oh my God, I can't believe you swear on, you swear on your kid and you broke the swear. Now, I know Trish was really upset with Tony, but I feel like as a viewing public, did anybody bat an eyelash? Tony swore up and down on a million things and then broke it. I think it it goes down to, you know, kind of what, what a lot of people have been saying in defense of Tony is that, uh, you know, there's been the argument of, is Tony the new Russell? Like, did he play a Russell hands game? And Tony has been asked this question now that he's out of the game. And Tony says, we played the only difference between Russell and I is basically likability that people on the Island liked Tony as a person that he was somebody that people connected to. And I think that is a big part of the reason why it was forgiven. Now, if it's somebody like, like, if, can you imagine if Cass had made those promises and gotten to the end already? It was going to be, you know, a complete evisceration when she, when she got to the final two. Can you imagine if she had made those kinds of promises and broken those kinds of promises? Mm-hmm. That person would be ripped to shreds by everybody uh, yeah. and, and, and would lose. But I think that because Tony played an undeniably great game and um, was was likable out there, I think that that tips it in his favor. And I don't know, as far as I think that we would definitely see people swearing like that again. And I think that it's effective because what's like the highest level thing that you can swear on? Those are the highest level things that you can swear on and you can promise on. At least maybe I'm not creative enough to think of something that's a little, you know, that has that packs more meaning and packs more, um, you know, commentary on your character than swearing on your your dead parents or your children or or your wife or whatever so i think it's it's still a move in survivor the amazon uh, that when i voted out christy and i needed jen and heidi to really believe me i swore on my private parts (laughs) to them that i was telling the truth and you don't uh, see that much anymore and they and they and they bought that and i was true and i was truthful and i would not i would not have broken that that swear but i really feel like in modern day survivor basically you know i swear i swear on the life of my kid that's basically like pinky swear you know it's you're it's not worth very much at all it's worth a little bit depends on who's making the the promise and who's receiving the promise you know i think if you've got a player like jeremiah in a future season hearing those words i think that guy buys it that guy buys it but ultimately if it's in the other person's best interest that the other the person that made the swear to you is you know nine times out of ten going to break that swear if they realize it's in their own best interest to break that swear and i i do think that while i disagreed with what Cass had to say about playing the game as a man or playing the game as a woman i do think that there is a disconnect there with if a woman made those promises uh, as opposed to a man making those promises i think the woman gets raked over the calls a lot more than the man who gets to say look i was lying i had to say those things to get to whereas if Cass is trying to say well you know i said i'm uh, you know i lied about, you know i swore to you on my on my kid's life i think that's a um a bigger pill for people to swallow coming from a woman than a man yeah i don't know all i Fair know is that I, I, I don't know. All I know is that someone who was so clearly disliked out there, like Cass was, if she had made those kinds of promises, she is annihilated at the final two. 
Now, you brought up Russell Hance earlier in um, talking about Tony's lying. And did you see Russell Hance has basically been everywhere on social media today that the Hance family is working on a new TV show? Uh, yeah. What which is, is it? Uh, hold my hands. <laughs> Hootie. Right? Isn't that it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the Hans family is working on a, a new TV show uh, where they are open the restaurant and they're in the restaurant biz. They're opening a restaurant. And it's basically, this is like Hans All Stars, that all of the Hanses are in it. Hanses that you've never seen before. Uh, it's, it's, it's really fantastic. I'm going to have an interview. Uh, and it may be an exclusive interview. I have to check if, if, if I'm using the right uh, terminology, if, uh, there are, if other people are getting the Russell Hance interview. But I will speak with Russell on Friday, uh, and I'm sure that plenty of Survivor Kageon topics will come up, too, in that conversation. Because I'm dying to know what Russell has to say about Tony's uh, victory this week. Yeah, I'm very excited to listen to that, and I am maybe more excited to listen to uh, the Tony Rebuttal podcast, which will be inevitable after you speak with Russell. Fantastic, yeah, so it will yeah. be uh, very, very fun. Okay, uh, let's do uh, a couple more questions. Rock Cat wants, as many as you want. wants to know, you rank the Survivor females on the LJ hot or cute scale. How about ranking the men on the same scale? Um, mm. That So Rock Cat says, my friends and I can't agree on Spencer. My vote was hot, but what about hot or cute? LJ, Jeremiah, Bryce, Spencer, Garrett, David, Tony, Wu, or Cliff. All right, real quick, Josh. Well, we gotta be. We gotta talk for a second here because are we talking island or off island? <laughs> well, what do you want to talk? I, I mean, let's. That's the distinction. Uh, if we're talking island, I would say Spencer got hot. You, Spencer was hot on the island. Yeah, I think by the end he was pretty hot. Whoa. You know, he looked he looked like a crazy crazy jungle hero. Well, what did we talk I, about I with the it. women? I think we talked about let's okay, let's go by the see. I feel let's go by day one. Uh, dropped off on the island. Got it. Let's Hot do it. Or that cute. One. Okay, LJ. Hot. 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 Um, I feel like. Uh, on the fence, but sure, I'll, I'll, we'll go. We'll go hot for LJ. The ladies are definitely saying. And Stephen Fishback, Jeremiah. Hot. Yes. Bryce. I would go hot. I think Bryce is a cute. Bryce is uh, a cute, cute guy. I think he's you know he's he's more like a personality. I think he's got a fiery personality. A p- fiery personality. Spencer. Uh, cute. Cute. Monday. That's right. Garrett. Hot. Hot. David. <laughs> uh, uh, cute. Did you get to talk to David Sampson? No, I did not. Yeah. Uh, Tony. Uh, Tony's adorable. Yeah, cute guy. Cute guy. Woo. Hot. Woo's hot guy. Yeah. And Cliff Robinson. should have been a beauty. A woody. Uh, Cliff Robinson. Uh, Hot. Okay. That's right. Um, No, I think Cliff Robinson is cute. He's old. He's older. He's he's in the, he's on the line. He probably was, when he was younger, he was hot, but now he's, now he's uh, just cute. He's great. (laughs) Okay. Let's talk about, um, we talked about if Cass comes back. Uh, here is a question from Ben Plazer about Tony's inevitable return. Tony will be asked to come back, but he may not accept because he will be an obvious target. If he does, what type of strategies could he possibly employ to ensure a strong run? Or will playing with different players allow him to revisit some old strategies like the spy shack? Now, first off, Ben, let me correct you on one thing. Uh, Tony 
is going to come back no matter yes. what. Yeah. Uh, Tony, uh, wild horses could not keep Tony away from... He, he accepts that invitation. He will accept the invitation. Uh, every day of the week. Every day and twice on Sunday. So yes. um, what do you think? Is Tony a dead man walking if he comes back to Survivor? I worry about Tony coming back to Survivor. Uh, I uh, more than Cass, more than more than anybody on this season. Um, he played that game and he won. You know that is well. He's a that, winner too now. That's his. So that's he's, his problem. He, he's got that target on his back, and he's just got his his uh, his way of doing things is so public. And I don't think that he would know how to play Survivor any other way. But even more importantly than that, I don't think that anyone would believe that he knows how to play Survivor any other way. Uh, I would, uh, I think that Tony would have a very tough time out there. I agree. Now, do you feel like that? Could Tony find some safety? Let me play to some devil's advocate. Could Tony find some safety, um, with other winners? Like hypothetically, if he's on an all winner season, if, is he in trouble? If he's doing some schmoozing in the off season, maybe he's he's going to do okay. Um, what if it's not an all winner season? What if it's you know okay, it's a Survivor All Stars kind of like a Heroes versus Villains, and he's on a tribe with say you know uh, I don't know if you want to call it Heroes versus Villains too, but let me just throw out like a couple of winners where he's on a tribe with you know Cochran, Richard Hatch. Um, give me another. Give me another winner. I don't know, Kim. Kim, okay. Uh, so let's say he's on a tribe and there's three other winners on his tribe. Do you think that the winners would have his back? Not necessarily. So I where's... Don't know. I don't I think that he is, he is, um, he's a rare winner where the fact that he won is almost less troubling than the way that he played. But, you know, could Tony say that he was loyal to his group up until the end so if no. you're with if you're with tony no because of lj lj cancels that um and jeffra cancels that what about pre-merge because they that i hey oh. look look when, look with the, with the tribes when when the tribes broke down to two the first thing he did was vote out cliff he can't i don't think that he can really convincingly make that argument hmm so he needs to find a Tyler Perry idol on day one. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think he wants that special idol. Okay, how about this? What if he's on a tribe where they they really they need his physical strength? What if they're on a tribe and they like in the pre-merge game that maybe it's small tribes. OK, yeah. maybe it's, you know, tribes of six um, and they wouldn't would, they would really need his strength in the challenges. Yeah, I mean, that that could help. And especially if he is as likable and helpful around camp as he seems to be. Uh, I think that's his reputation in, in this game. That's what people seem to say is that people really liked him and he worked his ass off around camp. And if he's, you know, physically uh, an absolute asset, can't cut him loose, then I think that that is probably his, his best case scenario. Uh, but even then, I mean... Physical strength is not necessarily going to be the thing that keeps you around. Look at Garrett. You know, he was by far and away the strongest on the brain stripe, and he's the second one out. I think that Tony's best ally is time. So I feel like that the further down the road Tony plays again, the better his chances yeah. are going to be. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think so. And it, I hope, you know, it certainly seems like that could be the case if, if we're looking at, um, you know, a bunch of new player seasons, uh, for the foreseeable future. So that could, that could help. But, you know, if you were to go back tomorrow, forget it. And I always say, Josh, if I was going to be back on a survivor season and I was going to be on a tribe with Tony, I would want to keep Tony around for as long as possible because I feel like the more Tony is around, the less people are saying, hey, let's vote out Rob next. Right. And that seems to be what his strategy was with Spencer, I think is what he has said. Yeah. Because, you know, keep, keep a guy like Spencer around because everybody's going to want to get him out instead of me. So you guys are on the same page. Yeah. So good. So we might be a simpatico. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Hey, listen, I would be... Uh, I would be Team RV. That's what I would call <laughs> RV? Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Uh, that would be, uh, we could get like a, be like Breaking Bad, where I'm like uh, Aaron Paul, and he's yeah. like. <laughs> if you're on um, Exile Island, maybe you'll find some uh, some drugs to start cooking. Whoa. Um, yeah. Although, if we were going to recast Breaking Bad with Survivors, I feel like Tony would probably be my pick for Hank. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. One hundred percent. It's not even close. Right. Can you give uh, give me the rest of the cast? Um, who's brr. who's Walter woo, White? Woo, woo, woo is Jesse. <laughs> That's the thing. Tony kind of plays the dual role. Well, I of- feel like I would I would cast not the, if we we're going beyond this season. Yeah. Uh, I would cast Fabio as Jesse Pinkman. Sure. Uh, so who's who's Heisenberg? <laughs> Oh my god! I'm sure, I'm sure there's some, there's somebody that's that. Boston Rob's got the hat. <laughs> it's not it's not bald enough though. Yeah, maybe people could tell us uh, in in the chat as we uh, try to try to figure that one out. Um, David Murphy is Saul. David Murphy is, yes. <laughs> is so he's good. The, he's the attorney. Uh, and uh, let's see uh, who is who is Skylar. Do we have a Skylar? Um. Depends on who the Walt is. Okay, it has to be married to Walt. Is, is, is I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I would. I, they have to be in an alliance. I think you're looking for a pair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Jeff Kent looks a little uh, like a like a Heisenberg. Not good enough at the game. <laughs> no. Oh, it, it has to be a, good. Just didn't go for it. Has enough. to be a master of the game too. I think. I think that you're talking about somebody who is. Um, deceivingly powerful you know somebody who at first blush does not look like they could tear your world apart but absolutely has that capacity and has it uh, as a as a proven capacity somebody who has experience doing that kind of thing is cochran uh, heisenberg cochran might be heisenberg. <laughs> oh my god maybe an older cochran an older cochran yeah that's not bad okay uh interesting okay and then let me give you one last question about your boy your boy woo that we didn't get to talk about him too much uh rachel wagner wants to know i'm wondering if woo's choice will encourage more recruiting from those who don't know the game well it seemed to create unpredictability and brings heart instead of strategy so is woo's decision to bring tony to the end going to uh, result in more casting of people who don't really know how to play the game. Uh, I don't know. I think that the, uh, I don't know. I think that the fear of, can you imagine what would have happened if it had been Wu and cast in the end? Like how would, how would that have changed things? It would, that would have been tough for me to spin. And I talked with Steven about this, that I would have come on and said that cast should have won the game. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
and but I mean, you and I come into it as fans of the strategy and fans of of how people play, and uh, you know, there I think that there's a nostalgia for for those types of decisions. The you know the Colby Donaldsons of the world who uh, choose friendship over a clean million dollars. And, you know, you've even said that the situations are different because Colby had a chance. He had a fighting chance against Tina. It was a 4-3 vote, so it was very close. This was a blowout. But I think that there is something, you know, similar in terms of that is what a lot of people came to Survivor for in the early days, that it was it was this place where uh, people made decisions that weren't necessarily always in their best interest uh, in terms of the game, making decisions that were in their best interest in terms of their morals and the lives that they lead. And I think that there's something very interesting about that. And I love Wu. Um, and I'm so happy that Survivor had Wu. I think it was a really great uh, thing for the show. And I think he was a really great character to have this season. And I would be very down for people who are heart first over overhead in the game. Um, it's all about the ratio. You know, I don't think that, that I would want that to be half the cast. Okay. I feel like you, you want a few people who, who play that way, but not, you know, even, you know, 70 percent of the players all right actually and this ties in nicely to uh two news stories that came out of the survivor kagiyan uh, finale so there josh you were not alone in your love of woo um there was a there was a i believe this is from uh from canada uh there was a uh canadian grandmother who uh actually i'm not sure if she's from uh that i'm not sure where she where she actually is is from because she sets up a uh it's in in the in the u.s but uh so there was a a woman who was a uh, a grandmother and she was such a big woo fan that she went ahead and started a uh a account to basically get woo his million dollars so a woman named wow. shirley ellis she's 78 and she's fighting for Wu to get his million dollars after all. Uh, oh my gosh. She says, Mr. Wu played a game like a really good guy. Uh, and she was really upset last night and she couldn't believe the jury let Tony win. So what she did was she set up a post office box and she's encouraging every American to mail $1 to uh, the post office box. Um, and so she is uh, waiting and she she put in fifty dollars of her own money and she uh, is all ready to go. I, I'm sorry. That, so I think she's in Idaho. Uh, okay. So uh, the P.O. Box is uh, P.O. Box two three five zero in Hayden, Idaho, eight three eight three five. So if every good person in America sends one dollar, she thinks Mr. Wu uh, will get his money. Now, she knows that Wu is not his last name, right? Can I just say that maybe you're the Heisenberg and you have just come come up with a get rich quick scheme. For here, Wu? Uh, for you. Is this your P.O. box? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, think, Rob, you're the Heisenberg. Believe me. Uh, that this this is this is a wonderful story. Yes. I love this. Um, and so, no word yet on how many dollars have been sent in for for Wu. Well, after we get off the line here, she's going to get one more. You going to get one more? Of course, um, support Wu. Wu is great. I will say another insight from the finale is in the auditorium. Tony says this in the in the reunion uh, how he was feeling a little discouraged before he came out because he kept hearing all these boos against Tony um, when in between segments before the voting after 
um, the final tribal council, like after all of the jurors have spoken, it goes to commercial and, you know, the pump up guy comes out into the crowd and says, who do you guys think are going to win? Who says Tony? And a few people are like, Tony. And he goes, who says woo? And everyone in the room said woo. So everyone in the room thought or hoped or, or, you know, was rooting for woo in that moment. So woo is a very rootable guy. He's very easy to root for woo. And I'm sure Wu is only wishing that Shirley Ellis might have had a grandson that might have said, uh, Grandma, maybe uh, you want to get a Kickstarter together instead of uh, waiting for everybody to send you a dollar in the U.S. mail. Yeah, that might have been Sending cash through the mail. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll see, but uh, jump Kickstarter. I don't know how (laughs) I don't know how Wu gets uh, basically gets that money. I don't know if he has to go to Idaho or she's going to send him the money, but um, we'll figure this. So good for Wu. And so now here's another story which is less fun to talk about because there is somebody who is a Jersey City congressional hopeful that is trying to uh, make a name for himself off the back of Tony. Um, And this is a man by the name of Aaron Frazier. Do you know this story? I have heard this story. Okay, so Aaron Frazier is running for against... uh, Representative Donald Payne Jr. Um, and is running for uh, Congress in Jersey City in the June 3rd Democratic primary. And he says that Tony Vlachos is a trickster, a liar, a backstabber, and dealer. I don't know what he's dealing. Dealing uh, lies, bro. Dealing lies. Uh, and he maybe says, he's Heisenberg. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> and so um, he basically, uh, this guy, this guy, Aaron Frazier, on his website said that Tony should be fired uh, from the police and said that Tony should be held to a higher standard because he's a police officer whose sworn testimony uh, has sent people to prison. So basically because Tony has sworn under oath uh, things in, you know, in court cases that he wants to reopen cases that Tony was a part of and says, what are the limits? How do we define when and uh, if an individual can tell uh, the truth? And says, uh, he basically, he says, calls uh, Tony... He says that he is uh, guilty of chicanery and betrayal and says, I'm not the only one asking for the immediate firing of Lachos. I am also asking that a special prosecutor look at all the cases that he's been involved in where the individual went to prison or was convicted of a crime based on the testimony uh, in court or of a police report. And this is uh, upsetting to me uh, to no end. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Uh, this guy should have other things on his plate. Yeah. This, and, this seems like a weird platform. And basically, you know, this is somebody who I feel like is just just trying to make a name for himself um, in this uh, primary. And why, why he's worried about Tony uh, being uh, in the police department in uh, New Jersey is beyond me when there are much bigger problems that we need to be worried about. Completely agreed. And incidentally, like uh, Tony is the same guy that he saved somebody's life. That was his neighbor, and he gave uh, CPR. Uh, so this is this is uh, very very upsetting, and I'm sure it's the kind of thing that probably you know gives pause to people uh, before they go on uh, a Survivor or a Big Brother or any or anything like this. So um, 
you know, if uh, you are cons- if you are a resident of New Jersey and are thinking about voting, uh, just uh, bear that in mind when uh, we're t- taking somebody who is watching uh, reality TV shows and looking for uh, campaign promises to talk about. Yeah, it's very silly. Very, very, very silly. It like sounds like something you would hear, you would see in like the season finale of the Vlachos. Not something that yes, you would see in, yes. not something you would see in real life. Yeah, it seems. Yeah, it seems like something that would happen like on Arrested Development or something. Right. You know, some some sitcom plot where a Congress person is watching Survivor and it, and is like, uh, wait, we got to get this guy. We got to open up all the cases that this guy was involved in. Right. Real world, real world is a it's a goofy place sometimes. Yeah, so very, very, very uh, silly stuff. And uh, my heart goes out to Tony for this because uh, this should be the happiest uh, time in his life, other than you know the birth of his first kid and and his second kid, which is on the way. And I feel uh, really sorry for him that he has to yeah, deal with this it's, nonsense. It's very crummy that this kind of cloud is hanging over his his victory, his very hard fought, well earned victory. He should be able to enjoy it. Yes, he should be getting a job writing on a sitcom and not dealing with BS <laughs> like this. Showrunner of the Vlachos. Yes. Star, star and showrunner. All right. Anyway, Josh, thank you so much for doing this uh, with me. I really appreciate it. I got a question from uh, Jake Tushed Elliott wants to know, uh, off topic, is Josh going to do an X-Men cast? Did you uh, go see the new X-Men? What did you think oh of it? Oh, my God. I did see the new X-Men cast, uh, the new X-Men movie. I loved it. It was great. It was, it was fantastic. I think we're a little far from release at this point to do it. If enough people are clamoring for it, I think we could do that on post-show recaps, but it's not in the works at the moment. No, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I just wanted to know that, but you said uh, thumbs up. I I'd seen good things on the uh, X-Men movie uh, reviews. Yeah, I I have called it the Avengers of X-Men movies. Whoa. And, and I love the Avengers. So I, I, it's it's my favorite of the X-Men movies. Uh, you know, I, th- I think that they, like Survivor, are on a little bit of a roll. I think the last three X-Men movies, uh, First Class, The Wolverine, and now this one, Days of Future Past, I think have been probably the strongest of, of the series. So uh, I'm I'm very happy with with where that franchise is right now and very hopeful for, for where they can go from this movie. So yeah, if you're an X-Men fan, if you like superhero movies, uh, it definitely gets my my rave reviews. I think it's, it's the best blockbuster that's out there right now. All right. Well, check out more of what Josh has to say on Twitter at at Round Howard. Uh, also, you can hear Josh and I every Sunday night talking about Game of Thrones on Game of Thrones Live on post show recaps at 10 15 p.m. Eastern. And then on Monday nights on 24 Live talking about the latest adventures of Jack Bauer on 24 Live Another Day. How do you think um, Jack Bauer and Tony Vlachis would get along? Very well. Like, I, th- I think that they would do some damage. I think so. I feel like that, you know, Tony. And Jack loves Tony's. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Jack Bauer would be the straight man and Tony would be the comic relief. Yeah. I think that yeah, would be absolutely. that would be very, very uh, fun to watch those That'd two together. Great. And then uh, we're going to have plenty more coming uh, this week on Rob's podcast. I have a big podcast coming up on Thursday with Netta from Big Brother Canada 2. That's going to be on Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Uh, Pacific. We're also going to have the latest episode of our continuing coverage of Last Comic Standing that I co-host with Mike Bloom. Uh, that show is going to be up on uh, Friday morning for you. And then, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to speak with Russell Hance about his new project, which is uh, coming together, Helping Hance. Uh, oh, I was wrong. I thought it was Hold My uh, Oh, is it? What, what, what is... 
you know, I that I feel like it's the name isn't great. I, I keep forgetting. Is it? Is it? It's, hold my hold my hands. No, I think you're right. I think it's it's like helping hands, holding hands, something. helping hands. I feel like they needed like some sort of like a kitchen. It's like cooking, like like another set of hands in the kitchen or something like that. Um, yeah. That's wordy, but I feel like they needed some some sort of like food tie-in. Yeah, I think that that sounds that sounds about right to me. Yeah, but anyway, we'll talk. Holding hands. It's holding hands. Okay. Uh, all right. So we were both wrong. I was closer. You were close. You were closer. And I had a catchy theme song. <laughs> they are free to take if they would like. Yeah, so that you have the rights to the Darius Rucker Library. Yeah, I bought them uh, <laughs> five minutes ago on Twitter. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Um, the internet's great. It is. It is great. So I will have uh, that podcast as well. So uh, plenty more to do, and you can also check out our Bachelor wrap up show on robhaswebsite.com. That is. Uh, Amy and Haley Strong are covering The Bachelor for us uh, all season long. They had strippers this week. It was all sorts of uh, shenanigans happening on The Bachelor. That's on RobHasWebsite.com as well. So make sure you subscribe. RobHasWebsite.com slash iTunes uh, for our iTunes subscription or click the podcast tab for all the different ways to subscribe. Josh, thank you so much. Can't wait to hear what you guys have to say in the comments and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye.